morning, if you turn to the Gospel of John, John chapter 9, a very familiar story this morning. John chapter 9. For those that have worked with the public or have been around the public uh, for very long, we realize that in our world and in our society, uh, there are people that our society tends to forget. Uh, they're crippled, maybe they're mentally challenged, physically challenged, lost, broken, homeless. Uh, our homeless situation is getting worse and worse. Uh, as our economy worsens, uh, more and more people, as the price of living goes up, the price of rent goes up, the price of house notes go up, more and more people are becoming homeless quite often of no fault of their own, but just our economic times that we live in. And if we're not careful, quite often these folks are forgotten. They forgot, they're forgotten, they're ignored, or we hear quite often in the news they're abused. People, there was a lady uh, that was arrested last week for she was taking care of a, a caregiver for an older woman and she stole the woman's credit card, was making her, buying her groceries and paying her rent and everything off the uh, older lady that she was watching. So they arrested her for elder abuse. And so if we look at John chapter 9, we can look this morning at some lessons we can learn from a blind man. Let's read the first 12 verses together. John 9, beginning with verse 1. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the work of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and he said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sin. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is this not he who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. said, I am he. Therefore they said to him, How are your eyes open? He answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and I received sight. Then they said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. As we take a look at this paragraph, in verse 1 we see the man's condition. Verse 1 tells us that this man was blind. And not only was he blind, he was blind from birth. He had never seen a sunrise. He had never seen a sunset. He had never seen a person, never seen a tree never seen a building, never seen anything, because he was blind. And in those days, since there really was no welfare payments or no SSI or no disability, verse 8 also tells us that he was a beggar out of necessity. The only way that he had to make ends meet 
was to beg. Uh, we are seeing more and more of those people today. Uh, some of them are scamming the system, but a lot of them are legitimately trying to find their next meal. They don't have, a, don't have a way to eat. So this man was blind. He was a beggar. Notice that verse 1 tells us that Jesus passed by and saw him. Keep your mind on these two phrases. They'll come back later on. I'm not going to mention them now. We're going to keep going. We're going to bring them up again uh, in just a little bit. Verse 2 tells us the disciples question. They see the blind man and they ask a question to Jesus. They say, Rabbi, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? In other words, why was this man born blind? Somebody sinned. Whose fault is it? Is it the blind man's fault or is it his parents' fault? Is, is God punishing him for something that his parents did? And the theology of the day said that all disease and all tragedy is a result of sin, and that's partially true. We understand that in Genesis chapter 3, the fall of man, all sin and the, the world was cursed, the fall, all that came into the world. So generally that's true. However, specifically, that's not necessarily true. Every bad thing that doesn't happen, it's not always someone's fault. And we're going to see that in Jesus' answer in verse 3. Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Jesus says here, it's no one's fault. And we're going to park the car here just for a little bit. Sometimes things happen in this world where it's nobody's fault. Uh, people get sick. Anytime there is an accident, anytime it seems like people, something goes wrong, have you ever noticed the first question someone asks is, whose fault was it? An operation goes bad. Well, it must be the doctor's fault. Uh, something happens here. It must be some worker's fault, somebody's fault. And some things do happen as a result of human error. But in this particular situation, Jesus says, neither one of them sinned. Neither one of them were at fault. This, not, this man's blindness is not because of what someone's done. Now understand that sometimes God does send sickness and tragedy on people, especially his people, to try if they wandered away from him. God will put things in our lives, difficulties, hardships, to get us back to him. But sometimes things happen just because it's life. Scripture tells us that it rains on the just and the unjust, the sun shines, on the just and the unjust. In fact, uh, I don't know about you, but have you ever looked around and in my feeble mind, it might be this way in yours, sometimes it seems like the evil prosper more than the good people do. And have you noticed that? It seems like the, the evil people get ahead. The evil people get promoted. The, the bad people get, uh, get what we think is coming to us. And David wrote several psalms about that. But understand that everything in our world happens as a result of the work or the will of God. There is a doctrine that I hold very near to my heart, and you should too, and that's the doctrine of the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign. 
God has the right to make all the decisions. I've got to realize that God does not have to discuss with me what he's going to do with my life. God has the right to interrupt it when he wants to. God has the right to change directions or change my direction in life if he wants to. What we like to believe is if the good things are happening in our life, well, that's God's blessed me. But if the bad things are happening in our life, whose fault is this? Why did this happen to me? Y'all, everything, we, we've been talking in First Peter that suffering and trials and hardships are just part of life and God uses them in our life to mold us and make us and build us. And aren't you glad those of you who are gray-headed like I am, aren't you glad God didn't tell you everything that was going to happen in your life when you were 15 years old? We might have checked out, right? But do we also realize that up to this point in time, virtually every, the worst days of our lives, we've survived them? with God's help. Everything happens with the will of God. Look at Romans chapter 8. Keep your finger in John 9 and or your bookmark. Keep it marked. We're coming right back to it. But John, uh, Romans 8 verses 28 to 29. This verse has helped me put a lot of things in perspective when things are happening that I don't understand. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of God, his Son, so that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. All things work together for good. A better translation of that is God works all things for good. The things that happen in our lives God is in control of them. We need to understand it's not about us. Now this man was born blind because on this given day, Jesus is fixing to do a miracle and show God's glory. This guy's going to expand. Yes, the man is blind. Yes, the man through went the man went through hard times. But this man's fixing to have a life-changing encounter with the Creator of the universe. God's going to come into his life and his world will never be the same. This man was born a miracle waiting to happen. Can I suggest to us all of us are in that shape in one way or another? Before we were born again, we were dead in sin. But a miracle happened. We were blind spiritually. We were deaf spiritually. And a miracle happened and we had an encounter with the Master, and we found Jesus. I don't know where Jesus found you. Jesus finds different people at different stages in their lives. But where, wherever you were, he knew where you were, and he knew uh, how to come. Uh, he knew where to find you when the time came. I I don't know if you watched the Harry Potter movies. But uh, one of the things I like about the Harry Potter movies 
is when Harry was 12 years old, he'd been living in that little cupboard under the stairwell. And uh, the folks at Hogwarts knew exactly where to find him. Uh, when the time came, Harry found out he hadn't been forgotten. When the time came, somebody was looking, uh, someone was looking after Harry. And I, that's as far as I'm going to go as far as making analogies with, with Harry Potter. But can I suggest to you that when you feel lost, when you feel alone, when you feel hopeless, when you feel helpless, can I suggest to you that Jesus knows right where you are? And when you need him, he'll find you. Now, he may not send an owl to you with a message, but he, uh, he will find you when he needs you. Verses 4 and 5 give us Christ's admonition. Jesus says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it's day. The night is coming when no man, when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. You see a sense of urgency in Jesus? Jesus knows he's only here for a little while. Jesus' ministry lasted somewhere between two and a half and three years. And when we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, didn't he cram a lot into that three years? Jesus was busy. He stayed urgent. He knew why he came. He knew that he had a job to do. And he knew that he had a limited time in which to do it. For those of you who like literature, notice John's use of contrast. He contrasts night and day. Jesus contrasts night and day. He says, I've got to work while it's day. Night's coming where no man can work. All through the book of John, John contrasts light and darkness, night and day. In the book of 1 John, in that whole book of 1 John, the whole letter, he contrasts he says, God is light in him, is no darkness at all. And he con contrasts walking in the light, walking in darkness. John likes to do that. And so Jesus basically is saying, while it's day, while it's daylight, as long as I'm in the world, I'm going to work. The point he's making is Jesus understood that he had a limited time in which he was going to be on this earth physically. Now, we understand he's still here spiritually. He's here through his Holy Spirit in us, through, through those of us that are, that, are, that are Christ followers. But Jesus says, I've got a job to do, and I've got to get busy doing it while it's day. Uh, the other night I woke up at about 1 o'clock in the morning, and I was thirsty. I went and got me a drink, and I stepped out on our back deck, and it was nice, and it was cool. There was a little bit of a breeze blowing, and... I thought, you know, if it was like this in the daytime, I'd get my grass cut. Because uh, in the daytime right now, not so much, right? Jesus says, well, it's, you got to do your work when it's day so you can see. We'll come back to that here in a little bit too. Verses 6 and 7 is Christ's healing. He heals the man. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the slava. Because man was made from the dust of the earth, the Jews believed that there was some healing power in clay and dirt. They believed you could, you ever wonder why uh, you've heard the phrase, you know, Peyton Manning, they, they joke about him saying, if you get hurt, throw a little dirt on it, and spit on it, and go back out and play. Well, they, for ever since the beginning of time, especially in the Jewish culture, which is where we find our foundations, they, they put some credence in the healing powers of clay. Because man was made from the dust of the earth. They thought there was some kind of 
something in man that was even in the dust and somehow that would help to heal. But anyway, we know that Jesus also, if we study the Gospels, he healed a man by touch, he healed another by spittle, and this one by clay, salve, and washing. Jesus wanted the attention on the miracle, not the method. Jesus was, he just wanted them to see that this man who was blind can now see. How he got there, it doesn't matter. Can I suggest to you that however it is you came to Jesus, however it was that when you found Jesus, that Jesus found you, it's different for all of us, that's not as important as the fact that you found him, right? The miracle occurred. The fact you were dead in sin, and now you're alive and living eternally with Jesus Christ and going to live in heaven with him when he comes or when he calls. Jesus here is introducing the concept of a new birth. In a very real way, this man experienced a new birth this day, right? I want you to imagine, and, it's, and, and we can't do it, but could you imagine being blind for, we don't know how old this man was, let's just say 20 years, and all of a sudden you could see. Could you imagine not being able to walk Remember the man that was crippled for 38 years and Jesus healed him? All of a sudden, he could walk. In a lot of ways, you're born again that day. Just like when we were dead in sin and we were born again through Jesus Christ. Jesus says, go wash. And he did and he could see well, notice the people's reaction, verses 8 to 10. Therefore, the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is this not he who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He's like him. He said, I am he. Therefore, they said to him, How were your eyes open? So basically, the neighbors see him and they, they say, Isn't this the guy that's been begging and he was blind, he couldn't see, and others said, no, that's, he just looks like him. That's not him. He, he's been blind all his life. Blind people don't just all of a sudden see. Now, he's a lookalike. So the blind man says, it's me. I'm he. I'm the one. Have you ever seen a, some, a lot of Christians when they get saved, when they're born again, they're just different people. They walk differently, they talk differently, they act differently, they dress differently. And their old friends will say, what happened to you? You're different. Well, that's not Bob. Bob's the town drunk. Bob's high all the time. Bob runs around with women. Bob cheats. Bob's a liar. This Bob, he's sober. And he stays home with his family. He's in church on Sunday. It looks like him. Y'all, when you're born again, you act different. You look different. You, there was something different about this man. He could see. And the blind man says, it, it's me. It's not a look like. A look like I'm Bob. I, I'm the blind guy. And he gave his testimony. Verse 11. He answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay 
and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and I received sight. As a result of Jesus, who made an ointment for my eyes, he told me to wash. I did, and now I can see, and that's all I know. Did you notice the man didn't talk about, well, something happened with my cornea and my retina, and all of a sudden now I, he didn't try to explain the science. He just said, all I know is I was blind, and now I can see. The crippled man said, I, all I knew is I could walk. Y'all, all I know is I was lost, and now I'm found. I don't know how it happened. It's the craziest thing. I can't explain how the Holy Spirit cleanses the heart and gives us a new one and gives us a new mind and a new will. I just know what happened. Jesus says it's like the wind blowing in John chapter 3 when he's talking to Nicodemus and says, you must be born again. And Nicodemus says, well, how can I be born again? I'm grown. I, I can't physically be born again. And Jesus says it's spiritual. He said, I'm talking about spiritual things. And he says, it's kind of like the wind blowing. Have you ever been standing outside and just all of a sudden a breeze starts? Where'd that breeze come from? Who knows? How long is it going to last? Who knows? If I'm trying to eat outside, it'll last just long enough to me to try to finish eating, then it goes away. If I try to work or something, it'll go away. That's the way this new birth is. The man says, I don't know what happened. I can't explain it. He said, I, I, but I know I was healed. And they said to him, well, where is he? He said, I don't know. All I know is I was blind and now I see. This is a great story. It'd make a great movie. Be on the Lifetime Channel. The day the blind man received his sight. But did you know that it has application to us in 2022 at Old New Hope Baptist Church? Did you know that today most people are blind to their spiritual blindness? In this very chapter, look down at verse uh, let me find it. He goes on and verse 27. They're talking to this man again and they're saying uh, who, who is the Jesus? Uh, what's he doing? Jesus answered them, I told you already and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? When they reviled him they said, you are his disciple but we are Moses' disciple. For we know that God spoke to Moses as for this fellow, we don't know where he came from. The man answered and said to him, why, this is a marvelous thing that you don't know where he's from, yet he's opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he will hear it. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone has opened the eyes of the one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And so they find Jesus, skip down to verse uh, 36. Jesus is talking to the blind man. They find him again. And the blind man says, He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? 
Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who was talking to you. Then he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not may see, and that those who see may be blind. Now look at verse 40. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see, therefore your sin remains. Most people don't see their spiritual blindness. If we were to do a survey of our neighborhood, just right here around our building, and ask the question, Are you going to heaven? Most of the people would say something like, well, I hope so, I, I think so, I, 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 I try to be good, so I will. The fact is, most people that are lost don't understand they're blind spiritually. They can't see. We were that way. We were dead in trespasses and sin. We were blind to our blindness. There are those all around us that are blind to their blindness. Also, we are all beggars, aren't we? This man was blind physically. We're blind spiritually, and we're spiritual beggars. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor in spirit. That means spiritually bankrupt. I don't have a thing to offer Jesus. Guess what? You don't either. The only hope we have of spiritual anything is whatever it is Jesus gives us. We are all beggars. The answer for all of us is to go wash. Titus 3 verse 5 tells us when we become Christ followers, the Holy Spirit washes us with the spirit of regeneration. We need to go wash. We need to be clean. That's all of us. But switching directions. I told you to keep in mind the first part of John chapter 9 where Jesus passed by and where Jesus passed up by the blind man and saw him. A question for all of us here is, do we take the time to see the folks we pass by? When you see folks in Walmart or Food Saver, do we really see them? Do we see their hurt? Do we see their despair? Now, sometimes they don't show us. Sometimes you have to look. Sometimes you have to probe. But quite often, it's there if we'll just open our eyes and see. See, not only are we blind to our blindness, quite often we're blind to other people's blindness too. I have to work very, very hard as chaplain in the prison. There's 1,269 men at the attorney center. And every one of them have a light blue shirt with blue jeans and a white stripe down the leg. And if I'm not careful, every one of them looks the same. We had somebody do something in the chapel. And they said, well, chaplain, did you see what he looked like? I said, yeah, he had a light blue shirt, blue jeans, and a white stripe down his leg. <laughs> but so did 1,268 other guys. But each one of them is an individual. Each one of them have a life. Each one of them have hurts and disappointments and pain. So do the people we come into contact with. What about our family members? Do we have family members that are hurting? Do we have family members that are that are lost? Do we have family members that are that are blind? Do we 
we see their blindness or do we just pass on by? Notice Jesus saw him. Well, he passed by and then he saw him. Do we just keep passing on by? That's a question for me. And it might be a question for you as well. And then finally, as we wrap up, just like night was coming for Jesus, night's coming for all of us too at one of these, one of these days. I put on my Facebook, I actually shared it from somebody else's post, but it says, one day we'll close our eyes to time and we'll awaken to eternity. And that's the truth. One of these days, and, and I don't know when the one of these days is going to be. You don't either. I know my birth date was January 10th, 1964. I never thought I'd live as long as I have now. I was born three months premature. I was two pounds, 13 ounces when I was born and had a lot of, I've been a pain to my parents ever since I've been born, worried them to death. I, I never dreamed I'd live to be this long. Somebody says, act your age. I said, I've never been 58 and a half before. I don't know how I'm supposed to act. <laughs> but I told Marie last night, I said, do you realize I'm almost 59 years old? And I said, you know what's coming next? She said, 60. <laughs> I said, yeah. I said, you know what comes after 60? She said, I, she said what? I, she said, 70. I said, no, 65. <laughs> I said, you know what 65? 65 means you're old. Y'all, night's coming. It's a blessing to live as long as I have. When I wake up, I try to thank God every day for waking me up. But I got work to do. You got work to do. I'm convinced there's a lot of things we do on earth we're going to do in heaven. I fully believe that. We're going to be in a recreated heaven and a recreated earth. I believe we're going to have work to do. We're going to live in a world the way God wanted the world to be, without sin, without the curse. But one thing you can't do when you get to heaven that you can do right now, and we better do it while it's daylight, is we can't tell anybody about Jesus. Because those that don't know Jesus won't be there. I got to thinking when I was ringing the bell this morning. I wonder if they rang the bell nearly 80 years ago. In 1946, when this church was constituted, I don't know when they put the bell up. But 80 years later, we're ringing the bell. Here's what I wonder. 80 years from now, is it still going to be daylight? 80 years from now, will they still be ringing the bell at Old New Hope Baptist Church? Y'all, that's going to depend on God. But it's also going to depend upon us doing what we do while it's day. Seeing the people that are lost. Seeing the people that are blind. And telling them that, about Jesus. I don't know how Jesus saved me. I don't understand it. I just know I was lost, but now I'm not. I was dead in my trespasses and sin. I've been made alive in Jesus Christ. 
I can't answer all the deep theological and philosophical questions of life. And the longer I live, the longer I realize I don't have to. All I have to have is faith that Jesus Christ died on the cross, paid for my sin that I committed, took my penalty, took my punishment, and I took his righteousness. And I became his child. And I believe that after he got off that cross, they put him in a tomb for three days. And I believe that three days later, that tomb was empty. And I believe it's still empty today. And because he lived, I believe I live. And if you're a Christ follower, you will too. And there's a world around us that needs to hear that message. They don't need philosophy. They don't need deep theology. People need to know they're blind, they're deaf, they're spiritually dead in their trespasses and sins. But there's a Savior. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending your son Jesus on the cross to die for us. And just thank you for this record record of his earthly life in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. And I pray when we read the Gospels that we would understand that the people of Jesus' day were people just like the people in our day. The needs of the people in Jesus' day are the same needs that the people in our day I pray, Father, that this morning as we consider Jesus' healing of this blind man, I pray you would examine our hearts. Are there things in our heart that we are blind to? That for whatever reason we don't see them, I pray that you would open our eyes to see our hearts the way that you see them. If we need to rededicate ourselves to you, I pray we would do that. And then I pray we would get busy while it's still day. In Jesus' name, amen.